You are listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Tomball, Texas. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org. Every single one of us right now in this room, whether you've been here 10 years, you've been here one year, or you were only here for a year in the beginning, it doesn't matter how long you were here, God used you in ways that you may not know and we may not know. We are all instruments in his orchestra. We've played our parts. Some of us are tuba players. Some of us are French horns. Some of us are marimbas, doesn't matter. We play our parts. And our maestro, our maestro is conducting his song. The orchestra has changed over the years, no doubt. He's added more tubas. He's taken away French horns. He's added a couple triangles, even a couple noisy gongs. It's good to see John again. (laughs) We all play our part in the body of Christ. From encouraging text messages, prayers offered in the parking lot, serving each other, serving the children, being a part of a small group, pointing one another to Christ. We all play a vital role. And in whatever season it is, we all play our part that the maestro weaves his sheet music together at Redeemer Church. And that's what brings us here today. Because of the role that you all played at some point or the roles you are still playing today, it brought us to the point today where we can be a church committed to making disciples and making much of Jesus. A church that's committed and wants to see the real gospel be made recognizable in Tomball and beyond. And today, as God's orchestra, we collectively play our melody and our tune that we play is in verse 1. Not to us, Lord. Not to us. This is our adamant admission. Not to us. But to God. God, we don't take any credit for any of this. This is all you're doing. And this is, I believe, an aggressive and an adamant admission, a stubborn determination to deflect any and all praise headed our way all towards God because it's repeated twice. If you look at verse one, not to us, that would have been fine. Not to us, Lord, not to us. Doubling down on this admission that it cannot be anything we've done, not our collective efforts, not our energy, not our smarts, not our IQ, not our great singing voices, not anything we've done, but the Lord. As the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, he says, so then, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God. Only God, only God gives the growth, numerical growth. I just, I mean, I look out, I can't even believe what we're seeing. From a group of meeting in a living room to today, God gives the growth. Spiritual growth, maturity, church planting and missions, all of it, God gives the growth. And what we've seen and heard today From the testimonies to the videos and the panels, you have heard of the mighty acts of God. From our amazing elders, current and former, the baptisms, conversions, our response has to be, not to us, Lord. Not to us. But to your name, we give glory. So look at what he says. 
To your name give glory. This is a prayer to God. God, give your name glory. Don't let any name be given, any glory be given to the name of Redeemer Church, but let it be given to the Redeemer, to Christ. And to give God glory is to say, we want to give him honor, praise, awe, fame. To give glory is to see the work of God that you've heard this morning and to see and to feel, to feel the sonic boom of God's grace and see how it topples our lives and to see how it changes them. To behold the character of God and respond in a heart filled with awe towards God. Or as we say at Redeemer, to make much of Jesus to make much of that name. That is the heart of our church, to give glory to his name, to make much of that name, to make a big deal about his name. And this will continue to be the heart of our church because because Jesus is no side item. Jesus is no afterthought. Sometimes in the Bible Belt, we can get bogged down and think that Jesus is just kind of the mascot of Christianity. That, you know, every religion has their mascot, their icon, Buddhists have Buddha. Hindus have the elephant thing. Christians have Jesus. He's their mascot. Jesus is not our mascot. He is our Messiah. He is the one who gets glory. He is the one who reigns and rules over the universe with the word of his power. Jesus is Christianity. He is the famous one, and that's really the heart of verse 2. When you you look at verse 2 and it says, Why should the nations say, Where is their God? You know what that prayer is? It is a prayer of the people saying, God, be famous among us. Let your fame be recognizable in our midst that strangers and foreigners and unbelievers would look and have no doubts about who we worship. No doubts about who we depend on, that your name and your grace is no secret among us, but now that you are the glaring reality in our midst. That this church was not orchestrated by a master plan locked away. This church was not orchestrated and master planned by a great group of leaders in the Illuminati. This church was master planned by him. Our God is no secret. He is the glaring reality, even in the name of our church. Redeemer Church. You may know far back it was called Redeemer Bible Church, and we learned that was a mistake to name our church that. But we love three things, the Redeemer, we love the Bible, and we love the church. It still stands. The Redeemer's first among us. No other theology, no other doctrine, no other methodology, no other plans, no other ways of doing or organizing our lives, just Jesus. Just Jesus. And it's so simple, but we can forget it. You must step back and realize for a second This church would not exist. It wouldn't be here without Jesus. Most of us wouldn't know each other. I would not know. Steve Egloff, Kevin Bowles, Steve Mitwitty, Dixon Jowers, John Sokolowski. I would not know Rocky Alexander, Zach Godbold, Barry Pett. You can look all around this room and say, I would not know anyone in this room if it were not for the risen Christ. You wouldn't be here this morning if it weren't for a Christ that is not a pile of bone dust somewhere in Jerusalem. You wouldn't be sitting here holding an ancient book and your 21st century device if it weren't for the risen Christ. 
is it's all because of Jesus. And we give glory to him, glory to the Father, glory to the Son, and glory to the Spirit because, look at verse 1, because of your faithful love. Because of your faithful love. You know, there's one thing everyone dislikes. Bandwagon fans. They're the worst. They only love the team when they're, when they're great. When they're winning, they're all in. There's going to be Eagles fans all over Houston now all of a sudden. But they're nowhere to be found in the dark ages. God's love is the complete opposite of bandwagon love. He loved you when you had nothing but a losing record. You had no hopes of winning anything. You had no prospects. He loved us while we were still sinners, and Christ died for us. He, he doesn't love us at our highest levels of lovability. It's at the lowest, dead in our sins. But his love lifted us out because it is faithful love. It is unyielding. It is undistracted, non-expiring, and totally undeserved love. And for 10 years in our church, God's faithful love has been on display. You heard it this morning. But then think about that. If you take all of our collective years together and you add them up, what is represented is thousands of years of God's faithful love to us. Because his love did it all. And no greater love than this, Jesus says, that I would lay down my life for my friends. The faithful love of God is made known chiefly not in seeing a church blossom and grow in maturity, but in Jesus going to that Roman torture device. And not to be an example of peaceful, peaceful protest or some good teacher who was misunderstood. No, Jesus went to that Roman cross to pay for our sins, to suffer for them. So, so we didn't have to. So we could be forgiven. So we could be freed. So we could be delivered from the wrath of God because of his faithful love. And it sounds so ludicrous that the son of God would go and die for people like us. Why on earth would the eternal son of God do such a thing? Because of his faithful love. A love too big, too big to be contained. His love is steadfast, faithful, more solid than the very nails that hung him on that tree. Those nails are long gone and corroded, but you know what still stands? His faithful love. His love is not fickle. The love of Christ for sinners isn't shifty or unpredictable. His love remains and even more than just 10 years of faithful love celebrating in our church, God's faithful love is the testimony of the scriptures. God speaking the universe into existence is faithful love. God making a promise to Adam and Eve after they disobeyed God, making a promise that one would come who would crush the serpent. It was a promise of faithful love. 
God making a promise to Abraham, just, who's just wrapping up, worshiping the moon, that is God's faithful love. God redeeming Joseph out of the pit, faithful love. God delivering the Israelites from Pharaoh, faithful love. The heart of God is faithful love. And Jesus leaving heaven, being born in the backwoods of the Roman Empire there in Bethlehem. In every passage you read in the Gospels, you see the faithful love of God. Because that's every day Jesus is getting closer to the cross. Every step Jesus took toward that cross on Good Friday, every whip across his back, every single thorn piercing his brow, Every splinter felt on his triceps and legs from that cross. And every second Jesus hung on that cross, his faithful love was made known to us. Paying for our sins. Dying for our crimes against God. Dying in our place because he loves us and gave himself for us. And then, and then Jesus gives up his last breath becomes a lifeless, cold corpse, is wrapped in garments by his friends and placed in a tomb. But the faithful love of God did not end. Because on that third day, and you know the story, church, he lives he lives in heaven now because on that third day, every battalion of hell could not stop the faithful love of God. Even death cannot stop the love of God for sinners. Because on that Easter morning, Jesus' eyelids flung open. His lungs filled with oxygen, his heart pumping blood again, his neurons firing, brainstem activated because nothing can stop the faithful love of God. And beloved, if death cannot stop the faithful love of God, we are in good hands. You are in the best place you can be in the universe when you are in the love of God. We now have eternity, this moment, and 10 trillion years to come to enjoy and to rest in the love of God. Do you know his faithful love? Do you know that Jesus saves? We all have a lot of sin. But there is more love in God than there is sin in us. And I think some of us must believe that again this morning. There is more love in God than there is sin in you. This is the core message of Christianity. And that all you must do is believe. That if you have faith, if you have trust in his faithful love of God, for sinners like us, you're delivered. You're saved. This will always be the core message of our church because it's the good news of Christianity. Not that you need to love God and get your act together first. That's a, that's a big message in the Bible Belt. You need to love God. You got to get your act together. You got to love God. Get your act together. That's not the message of Christianity first. It's that God loves sinners, those who can never get their act together by themselves, that he loved us first. 
And we respond to that faithful love revealed to us in that old rugged cross and in that empty tomb that there really is right now, this moment, a Galilean and galactic emperor who loves you and who says to you today, come to me. Come to me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden, worn out, worn out from trying to cobble your life together on your own. Come to me and I will give you rest. And we respond and say, not to us, but to your name give glory because of your faithful love and because of your truth. This is why we glorify God. Beloved, and the more that we know and experience his love and his truth, rejoicing in that glorious thunderclap collision of love and truth, your reflex will only be not to us, but to your name give glory. I hope your awe quotient grows more and more. Even this morning, my awe quotient of God is growing. And if you're struggling today to give glory to his name, the Bible says from this passage, you're struggling to know his faithful love. So stare at it until you see it. Listen to it until you hear it. Because everything in our church is towards this end, to give glory to his faithful love from VBS to small groups to sermons to singing to our classes to counseling to church planting. It is to make known the faithful love of God. Because when you know the love of God and the death and resurrection of Christ and the return and his unwavering love for you, you're built on the truth. And that's why you'll always respond, glory to his name. Life doesn't interpret the faithful love of God. Life does not interpret the faithful love of God. The faithful love of God interprets life. In dark times, we look to his faithful love and truth. In good, his faithful love and truth. In doubt and pain and loss, in every victory, Jesus is better. In every sorrow, Jesus is better because the love of God changes everything. And that's what we've experienced. That's what we hope to remember the next 10 years, 20 years, 100 years. So what's going to happen after this 10-year anniversary? What's, gonna, what's, gonna, what's God going to do next? As we look forward, what does the Lord have in store? We clearly need a new facility. We have land. We need a million dollars. We want to see more people get converted. We want to plant more churches. There's so many. we got a counseling ministry growing. We want to do all these things. Lord, what are you going to do? Our answer is verse 3. Look at verse 3. Our God is in the heaven. Our God is in heaven and does whatever he pleases. More conversions, more disciples, more baptisms, more, more missionaries. What's next, God? Our God is in the heavens. And he does whatever he pleases. And this is good news because the God who does whatever he pleases is the God of faithful love. The God of the cross, the God of the empty tomb, the promise of eternal life for all who call on his name. And whatever God does in these next decades in Redeemer Church, it will be glory inducing because God's love always is. We praise God for 10 years 
and look forward to more years of delighting in his faithful love. Because from my vantage point, from where I'm standing now, the maestro is still at work, conducting his orchestra, bringing more instruments to his pit, to his band. And we just follow his lead, follow the maestro. Happy 10 years, Redeemer Church. Let's give God the glory. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Holy Father, not to us. We want to adamantly, aggressively admit not to us, but to your name. We give the glory. We've seen your faithful love. We've seen your might. We've seen your plans. We've seen your power. We've seen what is foolish in the world's eyes. The power of God and the gospel at work among us. Help us to be a body that never, never moves on from the gospel. That never moves on from Christ. That never forgets the power of the empty cross and the empty tomb. And the power of the risen son who will return. And the clouds one day will be rolled back like a scroll. And the Lord will descend. Lord, we look forward to when our faith will become sight. So come, Lord Jesus. If you tarry, give us decades more of faithful ministry. And the next generation, when this current group of elders and leaders, when we're long gone, may the ministry live on of making disciples and making much of Jesus here in Tomball and beyond. And it's in the mighty name of the risen Christ that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org.